Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. But it is so good to have each of you here. Uh, Just first off, like Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, if you have been with us for a while, you know that this year not only just embarks a new year for our church, but it's actually the start uh, and will be soon the start of our fourth year as a church, which is pretty exciting. If you've been with us uh, from the beginning, we launched uh, Glory Church the week after the Chiefs first won this, the Super Bowl a while ago. You remember that? Like four years ago, right before COVID hit, and everyone was really excited about it. Yeah, we celebrated. We had our, our launch, and then Corona hit, like the, the pandemic, and we went online. And it, that's just the start of our journey, and we've been here now almost four years, and every year... Year. Um, for those who are new, my name is Greg. Sorry, Greg. Uh, my wife and I are the lead pastors here. Um, but what I love, I've never been a part of a church that has done this, but we decided, God, we are going to not just submit. You know how sometimes we have New Year's resolutions or sometimes we have a word for the year. I've never been a part of a church that has done this, but we decided at the very beginning, God, give us a vision at the beginning uh, of every year to cast toward our, for our church. Not only that, but it's something that, that we begin praying for, I mean, in September. Uh, the, uh, we started in September and then in October, and by November, I had an idea, and we fleshed it out, to presented it to the staff, and then it's just been rolling. And so we think, okay, God, if this is, after all, a lot of prayer go, going into it, if this is what you have for us, how do we split it up? How do we dive into this as a church? So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, the New Year is one of my favorite times because I get to cast the vision that if you are a part of Glory Church, this is what you can expect for the year. If you are stepping in from off the streets, this is what this church is all about. In fact, if you were to just hang out with us today and then hang out with us in six months, we would still be growing and moving forward in this way. So you know right now what you're signing up for, essentially. And so I'm really excited. But as we get into it, before I, I'm going to leave you on that cliffhanger, what the word is, uh, I'm going to read some scripture over you, okay? This is what the Lord writes through the writer of Hebrews in chapter 3. It says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as the time of testing in the wilderness, you know, when Moses uh, led the people out of Egypt and then their their disobedience brought this rebellion, the testing in the wilderness. Verse 9, where your ancestors, they put me to the test, though they had seen my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and I said, they always go astray in their hearts And they have not known my ways. Verse 11, as my anger, I swore, they will not enter into my rest. Verse 12, take care, brothers and sisters, that none of you who hear this, who read this, may have an evil and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But exhort one another. Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partners of Christ, if only we hold our first confidence firm to the end. And the last one, verse 15, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. 
I start off with this because I am confident the Lord, whether you um, are stepping in for the first time, whether you've been praying to yourself in your secret mind, like secret place, you haven't let anyone know this, but you're like, God, if you would just speak to me. Many of us, maybe you don't even want to talk about it to other people, but you're like, God, if you would just tell me what to do this year, or if you would just talk to me, show me that you're here. All of us want to hear God's voice. We want to know, God, are you real? Are you here? If you listen today, I am confident that you'll hear his voice. And this, we just started off, if you hear his voice, if you hear him, if you feel him move, do not harden your heart. Listen, do, act. And so I'm really excited to dive into this because today the Lord's going to be speaking. And that might be a concept you're unfamiliar with, that Jesus is speaking. Maybe you're craving it, but he says, don't harden your heart. That word uh, that they had an unbelieving heart, that means that they just distrusted the Lord. They distrusted him. If you know the story of the Israelites in there, they like, it, it talks about the days of Moses where he was, they were set free from slavery, but just even minutes, it seems like, as you read the story, but to them, it was probably months after being set free from uh, Egyptian slavery, they already began complaining on the journey. It was too long. They criticized. They distrust. And I just want to ask, like, I'll be real and honest. Anyone else, like, when you uh, start having some bad days after bad days after bad days, you just start criticizing people and begin being really critical with others? Anyone else in the room? No, just me. Uh, Anyone, like, just get critical when you don't see the way out. Another one, anyone else just start distrusting the Lord when uh, day after day turns into week after week, which turns into month after month, and you're like, God, where, how, when, who, like, why? And after that day turns into now a whole year, distrust can set in. Not only that, but it seems, has anyone, I I was a youth pastor for years, and I saw this in the lives of students. They get their life excited for Jesus, right? Rededicated, whatever they want to word it. And then life becomes harder, right? Have you ever, I'm finally on the track out of slavery, and now it's harder, God. Like, what is going on? The criticisms we want to blame, it begins happening. The people in the story, they were like, antsy. They wanted relief. They wanted instant gratification. And so their distrust, the passage said, led them to not enter rest. And in your mind, I want you to just highlight that word, that idea, rest. As we talk about the theme of this year, I want you to remember the word rest, because it's going to be a part of it, and I'm really excited, because they they felt unhappy, they felt like something was missing, that something was wrong, and they said, Jesus, God, Father, Yahweh, Elohim, take us back to Egypt, like the position is wrong. And I just want to say, at the very beginning of the year, you're going to get into some difficulties this year, and you're going to wonder, God, am I in the right place? Because we always think position will change everything, right? Like, am I in the right place? Am I in the right job? Am I in the right uh, area? Do I have the right home? Like, am I in the right church? You, You have no idea how many of you over the past four years, if we could just write the story of this, how many of you have felt that question, God, am I in the right church? Am I in the right position? And the Lord has challenged you And it's like when really God is just asking them, us, do you have the right perspective? 
That's a lot of it. As we come into what God wants for us, it's never just about position. Because if you know me, like we are hidden with Christ in the heavenly. So our position is sealed. Often it's a perspective shift. Israel's perspective shift needed to happen for the Israelites. Seven months into uh, my marriage, so we've been married almost 12 years, my wife and I. Uh, almost 12 years. It'll be 12 in May. Uh, seven months into our marriage, let me paint this picture for you. Uh, we discovered we were pregnant. I was 20 when I got married. Now, uh, like 10 months after being 20, I now am told that we are pregnant. A month after that, we found that it's not just one baby, but two in the womb. And I'm like, what? So then eight months after that, because twins come early, now only a year and almost a year and a half married, we have doubled the size of our home. No, I was still in college. So I had to get a job and I had to get pushed into what I knew my calling was going to be, but it happened soon. I knew at a young age I was called into ministry and there was an opening in a church in our city and they, they hired me. I was a full-time student, a full-time parent, a full-time husband, a full-time pastor. I was writing a, uh, my senior thesis, which would be a, later a book, and it was a mess of a life. My heart was astray in many ways. I was insecure. I was unstable. If you know anything about the book that I wrote, it's about shame. And if you want to start writing about shame, you're going to have to uncover and heal a lot of trauma. And I've never felt more ashamed of my shame than when I was writing about shame, if that makes any sense. And I was in it all this time. And, and I remember it was uh, September, August, and I've told this story before, but I need to preface it. I've only shared it one other time. So if you're new, this is a new one for you, okay? Uh, but I have to, it prefaces this theme really well. At the same time that all of this was going on, because if you know anything about me, I like to add a lot to a lot, right? I was also training for a half marathon, because why not, right? Like, why not just keep going? Uh, so I was training for a half marathon, and this particular day, I remember it because it was a mess. I was not sleeping well because you have babies, and they, I mean, it's just a, when you got two, you need all hands on deck, uh, right? Like, and so I was not sleeping. I was not turning in, like, papers on time, and if you know anything about Greg, like, that's a mess. Like, that's bad. And I had to, I had to learn through this, this confidence of saying, you're not going to get it. Well, Greg, you need to turn in this. You remember my... Uh, mentor who spoke uh, here a couple of months ago, I had to like tell him in the face, no, you can put a zero on that. I can't. Like my family needs me more than this paper does. So you can go ahead. I had to learn how to do that. But I remember that before that confidence came, this run happened. It was an eight mile stretch. I was like, I had to get the eight miles. I just did the three and the three and the four. And now it's the eight. That week you had to run that much. Like that's, that's how I remember that life. I don't do it anymore. But eight, I would love to do it again. I was doing the eight, and the worst case scenario happened for a runner. You start running, and your side begins hurting. Anyone? has you're like a noob again, right? Like you're like a baby. I've done this. So Greg, like fight through it. This is a mess. Why is this happening? And I was just so angry because I'm a competitive person, not to any of you, 
but to myself. Like, try to compete with me, you can win. But compete with myself, I will win. I will beat myself. And so I had to beat the last time, the last time I ran eight miles. And so I was just determined, God, I've got to do this. Like, I'm out here, and I already am angry. Now my side is hurting, and I just felt this weight, my life is this, my, my, my marriage is this, I'm insecure about this, I, I'm, my, I'm just angry about this. And then I just felt the Lord say, pause. And I began a habit that has carried me to this day. I felt like him say, turn the music that you're listening to up really loud in your ears, and I want you to go the pace of every song that will randomly come on. And at this time, like, I, my playlist was Hillsong United. You know, that was just what I ran to. Uh, I, I began running after my mom's death. And so that was the album that carried me through. So anytime I run, I always love listening to that album. And I was like, okay, I will hit play and I will run the pace. And like, it's like, Hosanna. And like, it was a mess. Like there were some days or some of the times when you'd be like running really fast, like, and I had a short, short strut. And then the times of the slow songs that I had to learn how to stretch my legs like never before. And I just ran and I don't remember when, but my side stopped hurting. And at the end of this run, not even joking, I surpassed the time of that, of my last previous time by minutes. And as a runner, like minutes is a big deal. And I was like, God, and I felt him speak, Greg, if you would just go the pace of my kingdom, things would be okay. If you would just go the speed. And so with that, what that means is like, sometimes I'm going to demand you to pick up the pace and you're going to have to trot a little quicker. Other times it might be slow, but I just need you to stretch while you slow, while it's slow. That doesn't mean you slow down. You don't walk. You're determined. You just stretch a little bit more. And I just remember him speaking, go the pace of my kingdom. And so this theme, this for Glory Church this year, if I could just tell you, is this word rhythm. When I really have felt like the Lord has spoken, I want my people to learn the rhythms of the kingdom of God. Where he is, he is there's been a, a, a song that's been playing since the, like the beginning of time, and it will stretch to the end of time. And it is the rhythm of the kingdom of God. It is his movement, his pace, his speed. And sin has a very different pace and speed, right? Can we just all agree? Disobedience, distrust, our life, now our flesh has a very different pace. And I just felt him speak, you are, as a church, moving. I'm positioning you, positioning you into a place, but I need you to move in my pace. I might position you to somewhere good, but I need you to move in my speed. And so we have, and I'm really excited, we have talked through, as a staff, I cast this vision, and we've talked through what does it look like to live in the timetable of the kingdom, to click in, to engage with what God is doing and his movement, his speed. And so we have named 12 different rhythms of the kingdom of God. We have attached them onto every month this year. And we're going to literally dive into what does it look like to have a rhythm pace of the kingdom. That means at the same time, work, rest, ministry, service, generosity, uh, worship, prayer, supplication, 
lamentation, like lamenting. Some of you don't mourn and you're wondering why you're not comforted. There's a lot that goes into a kingdom rhythm that if I would just stop my own pursuit and decide to be in line with what God is already doing, he may really shape me. He may really change us. And so there's a kingdom rhythm that has already been going on, and I'm excited to just like sit under it. And now for that little tagline. Maybe some of you are like hard of seeing, and you're like, what does it say? This little tagline underneath it, it says, a year of Sabbath. A year of Sabbath. And what I mean by that, which is later marked, and back in November, my wife and I were talking, Kate and I were talking about this, and the idea of Sabbath just kept coming up in the word rhythms. And then December happened when our prayer team, uh, Abby, just a name call, uh, I read, Abby felt like the Lord said, the next year needs to be a year of Sabbath. And it was just like, well, yeah, it should be. And, and just to let, let's split this up for you, I'm, when I say a year of Sabbath, I'm not talking about the biblical Sabbath year, which those of you little theologians in the room know that like every seven years, God told the people to have a Sabbath year, which means you let the land rest, all that kind of stuff. The year of Jubilee happened, like debts were forgiven. That's year seven. I'm talking about the Sabbath. Whereas year four, commandment number four was I need you to keep the Sabbath, observe it, call it holy. And I don't know if you've been trekking with this, but in the back of my mind, I like that every year has sort of, if you look at the commandments, they sort of go with the commandments. And so commandment number four uh, he tells Moses, I need you to observe the Sabbath. And we're going to dive into this a little bit. But in doing this, I could not think of a better thing than just calling it a year of Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Take it, take it holy. So if I can just like cast a vision, I wrote some things that I believe, if you want to step into this with me, what I believe is going to happen this year. Okay? Practically, I believe the people in our church have had sleepless nights and they will experience a depth of sleep, of, of true rest like never before this year. I truly believe that some of you, like, and some of you moms in the room need to say, amen. I believe fully that those of you who have been constantly pushed and pulled by the, the, the like, the, the height, the, the ladder of success in your life will instantly, it'll fall away. And no matter what you're doing, at what achievement level, you are going to feel satisfied because you are in check. You are in, in rhythm with the kingdom. I fully believe this year, there's going to be some of you who are going to step into your calling and it's not going to be about position. It's going to be all about perspective shift because some of you think like, I don't desire that. And God's like, it's because I'm shifting from your fleshly desires to what your calling is. Because what you don't realize is you and I were made to click into the kingdom. We were made to move into the pace of the Lord. And so there, I believe you will discover that. Another one, I believe like your work life is actually going to begin bearing fruit. And to some of you, you've been trying and trying and trying to get that thing started, to get it off the ground. And the reason it's not started or off the ground is because it's all about your perspective right now. And I believe the Lord is like, I need you to fit in a six-day window the work that I call good so that you can learn the rhythm of the six and then my Sabbath, which we're going to get into a little bit. I'm excited. You're going to lead people to faith this year. 
I was talking with someone recently, and uh, I didn't mean to, but I got a little, like, direct. Uh, I, I asked them how many people they led to the Lord this past year, and they were shocked. And it was in a conversation where we were talking about the faith, our faith journey of growing our faith. You want to talk about growing your faith this year? Challenge yourself to lead people, actually make disciples of all nations. That's a rhythm of the kingdom. I believe if you step forward with us, you're going to learn how to lead someone to the Lord. You're going to see salvation happen in homes around you. Another one I wrote, you're going to have refreshment in places that like you've never thought refreshment could come in your marriage, in your home, in your relationships. You're going to feel some of you are going to give more generously than you've ever given before. You are. You're going to discover and operate in your giftings. And when I say the idea of rhythms, maybe you're still struggling to see its connection to Sabbath. It's okay. we got a whole year for this. But when I say the idea of rhythms, maybe it feels like this loose connection. Maybe in your mind, Sabbath is just a day that is a break. Some of us, like in our American culture, like I'll just be honest, American culture has become this way of saying, I need a Sabbath day, and that means I don't want to be talked to by anyone else, nor do anything. I'm just going to take a me day. And that is a beautiful and ugly lie from the devil. Like, really, it's just beautiful because our flesh loves it, but it's ugly in the kingdom. The Sabbath is not this day that's a rest day. When I talk about a rhythm, a day, it's not where, where we could just pause and do nothing, It has to be defined by God's pace. But not only that, like if I can be honest, it's just been skewed. It's way more than just a day to add into our schedule. It's way more than this hunkering and halting and and hiding in a place so that we can avoid our responsibilities or, or not deal with people. It's literally a part of God's plan. Like If God created the earth in six days, and if the number six in his mind was complete, then there would be no reason for the seventh. But if you know anything about God's design, he loves numbers. And one of the numbers that he loves is the number seven. And in Hebrew tradition, the number seven is is the number for completion. Inevitably then, like what you must see is day one, two, three, four, five, and six, where God created a whole lot of great things. None of them were complete until he rested. That means if we are going to do anything, it stands incomplete until we sit in the Sabbath with the Lord. Quite quite literally, the Sabbath began at day one because God knew day seven, I will rest. Think about it. Day one, God knew this won't be complete until it's all very good and I rest. Day two, this is good, but it will not be complete until I rest. Day three, this is good. And then at the end of day six, this is very good. But now I'll rest. Each day pointed to the Lord's rest. Is it, was, it was if, uh, the little songwriters in the room, when you're writing a song, most people start with a chorus, a melody of the chorus. It's the thing that you keep going back to. It's the thing that keeps the, 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 the thing going. And then you can think of a time signature, all that kind of stuff. But if you're going to think of it this way, in the rhythm of the kingdom, the Sabbath is the chorus. It is the thing that God already knew he would be doing. Because in the end of the day, it is what he's ushering his people into. Day six happened. And then he said, Adam and Eve enter my rest. Come into my rest. It's a chorus that constantly happens over and over. And then the time signature, you could say, is the structure. Work, 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 
rest. It's this beautiful imagery, but in our culture, it is not, uh, it is not like that. It becomes this me and God day, this personal, I'm just going to pause and pray and honestly never until the monk tradition did Sabbath ever be a personal thing. It's always an interpersonal thing. When God commands it, you will read it soon. He tells the whole family to rest, all the slaves to rest. Does that mean they go back into their home? No, they have to be all together. They have to be all together. But not only that, they are demanded then to go worship together. It's Sabbath. It is a together thing. We cannot Sabbath alone. That's not the point. Our culture has messed it up, but in repetition, the Lord just keeps singing it. He just keeps singing Sabbath. And so we're going to look at this commandment, okay? We're going to dive into it. We've got a little Deuteronomy, all right? We're going to dive into a little bit more of creation, and then we're going to end back at Hebrews, all right? Hebrews chapter 4. And so Deuteronomy chapter 5, it speaks this. And if you've read the Ten Commandments, what is astounding is one-third of that tablet was all about the Sabbath, like, if you think of it, and like, you know, how have you seen, if you Google uh, Ten Commandments on a little tablet, they like, they just have this like line item, right? Number one, number two, number three, number, it would have been number one, number two, number three, and then four, and then five, six, seven, and nine, ten. Number four is a third. Moses had to write a chunk for this. And so this is what it reads. The Lord speaks to Moses and he says, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female servant, your ox, your donkey, or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns so that your male and female slaves may rest as well as you. This word as well as, uh, it's really cool. It, it also means alongside, which is really cool. Uh, so they, there's this together, even with the slaves. Verse 15, remember that you were slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. If you want to highlight a word, highlight the word observe. It's really cool. The word observe does not just mean do. It doesn't. The word observe means uh, to attend, to bodyguard, like, which is a really interesting, uh, to, to preserve, to watch, to limit, to protect, which is just really cool because then it means you don't do Sabbath, you watch it. You are a part of it. You join into it. You like care for it. You protect it. It is something that is already there whether you're doing it or not. It's not something you like, I just think anyone uh, really good at not doing their New Year's resolutions, right? A New Year's resolution is something we add in, right? Like I this year, I'm going to add in protein into my diet, or I'm going to work out a little bit more, or I'm going to start running again, or I'm just going to eat more veggies. And, and it's something we add into it. Or maybe some of you have said, I'm going to add rest into my schedule. Okay, that's cool. We can add things in, but Sabbath is not something you add in. Sabbath is the way that you live, Sabbath begins at the very beginning where you don't add something in. You, sh you are shaped by the Sabbath. 
Does that make sense? It's a very different thing. You observe it because it's already there. At the beginning of time, God has already spoken, this is my rest day. This is my thing. It is an eternal experience that transcends long before you, and it will keep going long after you die and enter his rest in heaven. It's, it's there. And so it's something we can like click into in Jesus. It is something that we are called. I mean, the writer of Hebrews is about to say, strive, strive to enter the Lord's rest. It's something you don't add into it. You don't add to you. You strive to enter. You strive to go to. You make the most to stand in. And it's really beautiful. We're going to dive into this, but I want to like the story of creation is something I'm really excited about. Uh, I don't think I got as excited about it until we started talking about it in staff meeting where my nerdiness got like the attention of other people and their nerdiness brought in. And Josiah said this, like, what I love is the rhythm of creation. I'm like, I know. And then he just started talking like, it's a consistent thing. Like he, he, it's every day is different, but every day he does the same thing and it's a rhythm. And I'm like, I know. And then I got really pumped about it. Cause if you think about it, if you think about it, God sees something lacking. Scripture says that the earth was formless and void. And so the spirit hovered over the waters. And as the spirit hovered over the waters, the Lord spoke. And then darkness was separated from light and it was night and day. He spoke it. He saw it. And the cool thing about that word saw is it's not just, oh, cool, I see it. It's you see and are delighted by it. So he sees it, he loves it, and then he says, that is good. Day two, I speak, I see something missing that I don't, I I want there now. And so I speak it, I create it, I see it, I delight it, and I name it good. And then every day he does this, it's beautiful, this, this speak, this calling it good, this delighting, and then at the end of day six, it was very good. Very, that word good is tov, T-O-V, good. It was very good. And see, if you want to take notes, like creation is this story of God exercising his reign and then breaking forth his rest. It really is. Like it's this story of God exercising. This is what my reign is going to look like. I will see what's lacking. I will speak it. I will create. I will call it good. And at the end of it all, I will break forth in my rest. And then what he does in Jesus, what he began, you know, when, with the Ten Commandments, but then what he fulfills in Jesus is now he says, I want you to do the same. I want you to exercise your reign as co-heirs. And I want you to break forth my rest. And so what that looks like, I want you to quite literally speak and things shift. Tell a mountain to move and it moves. I want you to see things and delight in the mundane. Like I want you, some of you have been so bothered by what's right before you that you cannot see in the way that God did, where delight was in midst of it, where delight and enjoyment, a reveling of pleasure was in what you saw. God says, I want you to exercise your reign this year, where you work, you delight, and you can begin confidently saying, that is good. That is good. 
And in that goodness, I can now rest. I can now move forward and rest. And what I love is like this, like, trying, I'm not trying to cram things into my week. And what you're, some of you are going to do, like, I'm not just speaking to pastors or leaders in the room, but you are called to create. And this year, like, I believe it, you're going to create. The, uh, you are called to work. You're called to, to be, to minister. You're called to change. You're called to transform. You've been given a message of reconciliation. And this year, as you step into this rhythm, I believe powerful things are going to happen. I wrote this down. Is what we're going to have to do as we get into this. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Uh, if I actually try to live with this character of creation, you know, this, this characteristic, this, this mapping of creation, then I'm going to have to start asking myself if what I'm adding into my week is making me too hurried, then it, does it fit even in the day one, day two, day three scheme? Is this even what God has for me? Because a lot of us are going to begin realizing that Sabbath cannot happen because nothing I actually do is labeled good. Sabbath is not happening because much of what I do, I can't even, my soul can't even delight in. And the only way that Sabbath occurs is when work by work by work is in the hand with insight in line with the Lord and it's good. And you learn to take delight in it. Some of you are like, if I just get a day of rest and the Lord's like, how about you just delight in me right now so that you can see my rest? It's not something that's attached to a day. It's today. If you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Today we're going to read. You can enter and rest today. And what I love is this ability. Like Sabbath is all about practicing our limitations. It really is. Think of it that way. Like it's, it's literally saying, okay, I could try to do a whole lot of things, but I'm going to actually ask God, like, what do you want me to do? What do you have for me to do? If it doesn't fit into this, this day, if it's not going to, then I will say no. Some of you, I'll just speak this over you. You ready? You're going to learn how to say no this year. You're going to learn how to say no this year. Others of you, you're going to learn how to say yes this year. You're going to actually begin saying yes when God says work. You're going to actually say yes when God says heal. You're going to say yes when he says go speak. And what I'm excited is is this transformation is not just a add-in, day seven, rest. It is, okay, let me evaluate day one. Let me think through what I'm doing day two. Like, God, where am I even delighting in what is day day three? Am I even choosing to notice you? Or do I just come to you when I need you to give me rest? Am I just stopping by when I need you to do this? In the commandment to Moses, God points out where they were. And I'm going to put this back up again for you. In verse 15, he says, I want you to remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Do you see that at the end? Like, you were, but the Lord brought you out. If you know the story, It's almost identical to the creation story. You ready? The earth was formless and void, and so the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. You want to know the story of this? 
the, the Israelites were in slavery and in the emptiness of their sin, their life, they were in bondage. And so what did the Holy Spirit do? He passed over the area, right? Like, you know this story. The Spirit hovered. The Lord spoke, let my people go, and they were freed. And so God's like, you have been brought out of something and now into something. So rest. So be. So do my ways. You were, but now you can. You can reset. You can observe. And so I wrote this down. If God's rest is a fulfillment of the whole week, that you can only cease from work when you've experienced the goodness of the days? Like, this is really interesting. All six are completed. Then what if the reason we feel so tired, the reason that you feel so stretched this past year, the reason that you feel so burdened is because, uh, not because you're not taking a rest day, but what if it's because at day one, we are not even submitting day one to the Lord. And then on day two, we're not submitting day two to the Lord. And on day three, we still have our plans and God's plans. What would it look like? Like quite literally, what would it look like if we decided like this year, I'm going to humble myself and do what Micah 6, 8, right? I'm going to walk humbly with my God. I'm going to ask, I'm going to wait and hear him say to turn to your left or to your right. Like I'm going to wait for you to speak to me, Jesus. Because at the end of this, like I can do nothing apart from you. What would that look like? I wrote this like one day, we are cramming, and then the next day we are lusting, and then the next day we're procrastinating, right? And then the next day we are silent with our voices of authority, and then the next day we're hands-off when it comes to the things that the potter has told us to be hands-on with. And then the next day uh, we just fear, and we doubt, and we worry. Now, all of these are okay, but we do this and never decide to click in to the kingdom, where it says, okay, You touched what you shouldn't have touched. So the rhythm of the kingdom is confession and restoration. Okay, so you looked at what you shouldn't have looked at. The the rhythm of the kingdom is restoration. Okay, so this happened. You had a you had a week off. Okay, so you 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 crammed a little too much. It's not a I will get better next time. It's I'm sorry, Lord. That belief still in me that I don't trust you'll do it. So I think I have to do it. It really is this heart of distrust, right? Like the reason we struggle to be in pace with the kingdom is because at the end of the day, our flesh does not trust the Lord. Some of you need to realize that. The reason you cannot keep moving forward when he tells you to move forward, it's a trust problem. The reason why you struggle to feel like things are going to be okay when it's all up in a flames is because you don't trust him. And that's okay. But the word, the word of the Lord said, listen, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts like the Israelites did, who distrust built off of distrust, and it built on more distrust, and it built on more distrust. And soon they began criticizing not just themselves, but everything the Lord was doing. And so their hardened heart went astray. I want you to think of it this way. You remember the, ri- the river that God is calling? Like, and I, 
Last year, I gave a sermon that everything flows according to him. And so we are called to live according to him. It's almost like a river, like God's there, then the stream, and that's what I walk in. That's what I move in. My life is in accordance to him. Well, think what what happens when something that is in water and called to be in water and to move in water now is out of water. It dries up, right? It hardens. You see, what happened to the Israelites is I don't trust where this water's going. I don't trust how slow this water is. I don't trust why this water is like steady right now and then quick over there. And that looks scary down there. I don't trust this water. So I'm going to get out of it because I can do something over here and then hop in when I'm ready. And and this is the hardness of the heart. Does that make sense? That little imagery? Where God is like, no, I've made you. And Jesus adds this in a little bit more. He says, come to me, all of you who are hardened, are weak, are weary. And I will give you, what does he say? Rest. I'll give you Sabbath. I will literally give it to you right now. You don't have to wait till day seven. I'll give it to you right now. Come to me if you're out of the water and you need in. And I will tell you right now, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What we miss on that is in a short little statement, he is saying, you are like my oxen and you will be working in this place. You will be tied to me. You'll be yoked to me. There will be work attached to it, but it's easy work because it's with me. It's in the waters with me. Like day one, two, three, four, five, and six will be your life, but it will be easy because day seven will always renew you. My Sabbath is always with you. My presence will go before you and around you. Does this make sense? Like Jesus knew what he's, when he says, I'm the Lord of Sabbath, he, he, he knew what he meant because come to me and rest comes now. It's not something you observe or something you do or something you're commanded as if it's outside of me. You're commanded because I want you to be with me. Like at the end of every day, I want you to call it complete. Like think of the the heart posture of what Sabbath should have been in our life. I take days one through six to prepare my home to get everything, to do my calling. I'm out in the fields. I'm preparing for my family. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting all of the work done. And then I, everything is looking forward to Sabbath. And not just the day of rest that I'm excited because I'm not, no, it's worship. I go to the temple. I go to the synagogue. It's, it's this excitement. And every day I have to do these things because I would desire to be free on Sabbath. And so then Sabbath happens, and the heart posture of it is you live in trust. You're trusting. You don't worry on the Sabbath. You don't prepare on the Sabbath because you've already prepared, so you eat. You, you 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 don't have concerns on the Sabbath because everything is dealt with, and it's done, and it's finished, and you'll deal with it on day one tomorrow. You just are with the Lord. It's this beautiful imagery My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Hebrews 4 reads this. Therefore, because of all that, what Moses did with the Israelites messed up, that promise of entering his rest is still open. It's still open. Let us take care, though, that none of you should have seemed to have failed to reach it. For indeed, the good news came to us just as it did to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. 
They heard do Sabbath and they didn't care because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who believed enter that rest. Just as God said in my anger, I swore they will not enter my rest. It continues, though his works were finished. The writer of Hebrews is literally about to like uh, give this wonderfully deep explanation of what I just spoke to you. He's telling the, the readers of this, the foundations of the world, the next slide for me, the foundations of the world were finished at day seven. But verse four says, but in one place it speaks about the seventh day as follows. God rested from that work. And the fact that he rested, it continues to, the, to this day. Again, it's in this place that says, they will not enter my rest. And so since it remains open, those who formerly received the good news, they failed from disobedience. Today, don't be like that. You hear him answer. Verse 8, for if Joshua could have given them rest, it continues, God would have not spoken later about another day. Verse 9, Sabbath rest remains for my people. For those who enter God's rest will also cease from their labors as God did. Then verse 11, which I already alluded to, let us therefore make every effort, that word strive, to enter that rest so that none of us will fall into disobedience. Because as I strive, I mean, Jesus would say it this way, seek first my kingdom and all of these things will be added to you. Strive to enter my kingdom, like seek me. If you seek me, then rest will be on your hands. Rest will be in your heart. You will do greater things than I do. And it will be tov, good, very good by day six. Like I would love every week for us to look and say, that was very good. How many, I don't have many weeks like that. Have you guys? I think it's because I expect too much of myself. Anyone else? I expect too much of the people around me. I become overwhelmed by the things that are on my to-do list instead of just pausing and saying, God, what is your heart? How would you reorder these things? So that at the end of the day, I need a perspective shift so I can end a day six and say, that was a very good. That was very good. That was very good. And so we are doing a 21 days of fasting, all right? So I'm going to get really practical for you right now. 21 days of fasting is beginning tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to say like tomorrow. Like those of you who um, did not eat yet, you should eat, okay? Because tomorrow we're going to fast. Now, I'm going to let you know what that means. Um, so this is our second year of doing this. For 21 days, that's three weeks, we're going to be fasting as a church. Last year, the, the theme was breakthrough. And what is astounding is the amount of breakthroughs in our church. It was beautiful. The, the amount of like relational breakthroughs, the amount of mental and emotional, spiritual breakthroughs that broke forth as we said, okay, God, we're going to trust that you are the fighter. You are the vindicator. You are the Lord of the breakthrough. Well, he's also the Lord of the Sabbath. And what I love is for 21 days, uh, we are going to fast. And I want to draw this correlation between fasting and Sabbathing. Sabbath is all about rest. Fasting I would say is necessary for those of us who have crammed our life and our bellies full of things without hesitation toward what the Lord wants for us, right? Anyone else with me? 
I see something good and Greg wants it, right? I have a bad day. Give me a tub of ice cream. Like that's one of my love languages, ice cream. All right. Like uh, I love it. But at the end of the day, what fasting does is it says, I will have a soul detox. Like God, cleanse me out so that when I'm cleansed, when I'm clean, when I'm literally striving and struggling to see you, you be my satisfaction. I now, like in that place, take my week, God, because I don't even know how to walk it. Some of you literally will not be able to do as much stuff. Maybe the Lord would say, that's good, right? Like, I'm actually excited for it. If you know us, we're trying to renovate a house. And I'm like, God, i am got to now look at how this will work and affect me. And what is good now? Like, timing shouldn't matter in the realm of good. And so now, like, shape me, shift it. Like, if I go your pace, will it be like a run? Like, I'm literally having conversations with God. If I go your pace with this, will it, will it end up quicker than I thought? Is this what you're showing me? Like, your ways are better than mine. Like, your timing is perfect. So fasting is happening. A couple of ground rules. I understand, like, our world, uh, Lent happens every year where you take something away. That's not what fasting is, okay? Fasting we're not going to be for 21 days taking away something that you like, okay? Uh, you can wait for Lent to do that for 40 days. If you're like, I love chocolate, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not eat chocolate. That's great, but that's not fasting. Fasting is taking something that sustains me and deciding to call the Lord my sustainer. I'm going to petition the Lord. My body is going to crave him. And so what this is going to look like, for some of you, I understand there's health problems, all that. What is something that has sustained you that needs to take out? All right. It doesn't have to be full food every single day. For some of you who desire that for your faith, do it. But as we do on this journey, it does not matter what you choose to look, what fasting looks like, as long as you do it with your God and your church. Does this make sense? For some of you, like, for instance, uh, we are, are going to try, uh, what I did last year is I, we did not eat until sundown, and then I did not eat on, on the day Saturday, like Saturday. So I just fasted the whole day. There might be a week where I decide, okay, I've built up to this, Lord, and I want to trust you, and like, I'm not going to eat this week. And I'll keep you guys in, in tune with our journey, but the beautiful thing is the amount of transformation that happened last year. There are some people who you began tithing because you realized I eat out way too much and I, I, I give more to Chick-fil-A than I do the kingdom of God. And so some of you began tithing because you realized like you buy a lot of food and for one month you didn't and you have this income now that you didn't know was there before. And so lose, like lose the flesh as we starve it. And as we look to the Lord, and what I'm excited is now you can begin to say, with this cleansing, Lord, how do I do this? And so just with the word Sabbath, uh, I encourage you, I challenge you to start it. I actually asked Kate, like, do I give them any, like, ground rules of how to do Sabbath? And she goes, no, let them all fail. Like, let us fail. And that's what Kate said, like, let them fail. Let us do it poorly. Let's do it wrong. We have a whole year to learn this rhythm of rest. So what you think you know about Sabbath, start that as you fast, okay? Because you're going to run, you're going to realize very soon how difficult what you think is and maybe how easy his yoke is, okay? So I'm just going to say that. Try to start Sabbathing, okay? Whatever that looks like, whatever that context, because ultimately as I end, I want to point you to Jesus real quick. 
because he's called the Lord of the Sabbath. He is. And if you know anything about the Lord of the Sabbath, the New Testament, uh, it's really cool. Jesus, he takes the Pharisees on a run for their money when it comes to this idea of Sabbath. Because the Pharisees had made it so legalistic. And so we see Jesus come in and he's telling a man to pick up a mat on the Sabbath. And you're not supposed to touch anything. Like you're not supposed to lift anything on the Sabbath. But now Jesus is telling someone to to sin, to break the pharmaceutical law, to the Mosaic law. Uh, he, he is healing on the Sabbath. He's, he's taking grain and eating it on the Sabbath. Like we see it and we're like, Jesus, you're radical. You're amazing. And some of us just claim what Jesus was doing in this was to just break legalism, which is a part of the truth. It's a part of the truth. But if you look at this, the biggest thing that Jesus does on the Sabbath is healings, is miracles. He heals on the Sabbath and it creates a mess in the synagogues. People are angry because he's healing on the Sabbath. Guess how many times he healed on the Sabbath? Seven. Pretty cool, right? We're not going to dive into those today, but over this year, we're going to hit on some of these seven miracles of Jesus on the Sabbath. Okay, when God does something, just a little little insight into what I've discovered about the Lord, he never does something just to tell you you're wrong, okay? That's not his heart. So he's, Jesus is not doing this just to shove legalism in their face and tell them, you're wrong. I do what I want. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He's doing this to teach. Because something I've discovered that we're going to walk into and discover more and more, the Sabbath is intrinsically about healing. It really is. Jesus' healing work was to show us that the Sabbath is all about healing. And you're like, What? Think about it. Jesus walks and he sees this woman with a hunched back. And he sees that she was empty and void in her sin. He sees this man who is, who is overwhelmed with a demon and lashes out in a synagogue. And he sees that he was empty and void and formless in his sin. Not only that, he sees... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Peter's mother-in-law, and she's dying and has this fever, and he sees that she is lying empty and formless and void. He sees all of these scenarios, the demon-possessed man, uh, the, the woman who, who was demon-possessed. We, he sees all of these situations, and every single one of them, empty, void. And so what he does is he ushers them into rest, What our Savior does on the Sabbath is he takes someone who is unable to rest because of their sin, and he literally ushers them into completion. A hunched back is now made to worship. A withered hand is now healed. A someone who is is demon-possessed is now freed. Healing is intrinsic to the Sabbath because God says, you are not whole, so I'm going to make you whole so you can rest. And so I'm going to speak this. God has put a calling onto my heart, and I know it. This year, we're going to see healings in our church. People who've never been able to rest because of a constant migraine. And it has caused them to doubt the goodness of the Lord over and over and over. And there's going to be healing, and the Lord's like, I'm going to, I want to make you right now complete in this. And now, at the same time, 
Jesus walks around people who are all sick and waiting at the pool of Siloam, and he finds that one man and tells him on the Sabbath, get up, because you need to be complete. And so there will be days when you're like, why did they get healed? And the Lord's like, because I need you to come to me, all you who are weary and weak, and I will give you rest. And then there are days that he may say, pick up your mat and walk. And you may be healed. And so I'm just really excited for what this year is going to look like. I'm willing to get uncomfortable in the kingdom if you are too. All right? I'm willing to say, okay, this week of of fasting, like, God, I'm nervous, but reorder my steps. Next month, when we dive into a new rhythm, like, God, reorder my steps. God, like, if this causes people to leave our church, they can, they go. We have a home for the outcasts. So come in, because people need the kingdom pace. They need the freedom that the Lord provides. And so, if you're in it with me, I'm going to pray over you, okay? Father, in this place, Father, in this place, I pray for the outcast who step foot for the first time in a church and have not been to a place, a place where your presence was felt in a long time. Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask for a deep and abiding healing. That even as we move forward with clarity, they can say, okay, God, I'm going to give you a shot. Jesus, I pray over the leaders in our church who you have placed a name and a calling on their life. And you are going to discipline and grow and cultivate them as they work, as they delight, as they see as they name. And as we rest. Holy Spirit, right now, if there is a pain in the room that you're wanting to heal, I ask that you, Holy Spirit, heal for the mighty name of Jesus. That we can enter your rest in practical ways. They made a joke of it, but right now, Holy Spirit, will you heal the one with consistent migraines that struggles to worship because every time a song is played, there's certain notes that just sting. Will you give peace that this year They will worship like never before because you've brought them into Sabbath. Holy Spirit, I pray for the one who has stopped walking confidently that you would usher them into Sabbath, completion. Lord, we submit to your ways because you're worthy. You own it. You have it. So train us, guide us. May you be found in us. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. 
For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.